last pod. We talked about Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, Tua versus Derek Carr, Miko Hardman versus Marquez Valdez Scaling. Talked about pulling out how you wish Josh Gordon would always pull out. <laughs> Apparently, you don't like to see the man produce. Bad seed. Or reproduce, for that matter. <laughs> we talked about Deshaun Watson versus Trey Lance. We talked about how Mills is a run-of-the-mills QB and Paris Campbell is in flames. We talked about Gigantor and mining depth charts. And we also talked about Marcus Mariota versus Mitch Trubisky. Same way we do every week. And that's facts. Last week, this week. Peaking can be good. Peaking is not good. I peaked in high school. <laughs> Break trade. Start this showdown. Have a party. Drink Bacardi. Henry's little children running around with like fabulous hair. <laughs> oh, can you imagine little Henry? He is little. I don't have to imagine <laughs> it. Not. Yeah. Mini minis. The question is, are they born five nine? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's doomed. Surprise! That's that. Oh, that's going. That's gonna be bad. Are you really gonna make me mock draft? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But I don't. I don't have Iowa to be like. Who do I pick? Nope. <laughs> you don't have Iowa to say who do I pick. I mean, I can say Iowa. Who do I pick? <laughs> that's that, dude. Okay. What? Okay. Come on. Okay. It was painful, too. I'd rather have it reproduced than produced. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> no, I only said pull out one time and I regret it. <laughs> that's, that's twice now. Stop it! <laughs> I'm probably never going to live the pull out comment. No, I literally that. was trying to pull that back pull out. the entire time it came out. <laughs> Are you recording right now? <laughs> you should be. That's that. All right, well, welcome back to the Rank Draft Trade Podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed our last episode where we talked about some of the things going on in the fantasy world, talked about some blockbuster trades, talked about some lame ducks as far as QBs go and what to expect from them. Today we have a mock draft we're going to do for you guys. We're going over rookies from last year. Yes. Also known as sophomores. Nice. Oh, also known as sophomores. I am your host, Gina Noble, also known as Noble, the queen. We've got handsome Henry. Say hey. What's going on? (laughs) Hey, Henry. Mr. Stats, man. We've got... I can't say the fantasy mechanic now, right? You yell at me for that. Mm-hmm. No, and you can't call me handsome now either because you called him handsome. Mm. Oh, <laughs> we've got even more handsome, Mr. They like to call him Big Papa. Mike, say hi. Hello. You asked for it. <laughs> Therefore, I delivered. Lastly, we have the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Nick James. Hey, it's been an exciting, let's see, what, couple weeks probably? I don't know. This is broken news. But we have the website up now, rankdrafttrade.com, and you can uh, get linked to the pod on pretty much any service now. So put in work behind the scenes, and now we have a few more ways for you to be able to listen. 
definitely excited to do a mock draft redo from last year's rookies. I am not as excited because I have severe anxiety every time you guys make me draft, which is way more frequently than I ever planned on drafting. But I'm going to do it for the sake of this show. (laughs) There are worse influences you could have. I mean, how bad can it be, right? The guys we're picking from were all pretty rock solid, so... Before we get started with the mock draft, as promised in this episode, we're going to highlight a few of the rookie wide receivers from this class. Last year, we had a wide receiver like Chase who probably went somewhere in the mid first round, probably made you look brilliant if you drafted him there because he was really good for last year's fantasy roster. Who's this year's wide receiver like Chase? Yeah, I mean, as of right now, I don't think anyone would project someone breaking what Jamar Chase did last year. I mean, he had an unbelievably great rookie season. You might have said the same thing the year before with Jefferson being awesome and then saying Chase won't be that great, but we saw it. Could happen. Obviously wouldn't project it. I tend to like Jamison Williams a little more than I think most people currently like him in fantasy circles. You hear a lot of other names talked about with the wide receiver one that we'll get into here. But Jamison Williams in uh, last season had 1,500 yards. He had a lot more than Jalen Waddle ever had at Bama. Obviously, at different times, he had to transfer out of Ohio State in order to get looks. So you could say that automatically makes him worse than Garrett Wilson and Olave, which if that's how you want to measure it, then go for it. He tore his ACL late in last season, which could ding him going into the draft as far as capital and obviously didn't get the test, but he seemed like a 4-3 guy and he could be this year's Jalen Waddle. I don't know that he'll be this year's Jamar Chase. Jamison Williams. Yeah, it took him till his junior year to really break out, so late breakout age. Um, Jamison Williams was diagnosed with a torn ACL on January 11th. Yep. How do you think that's going to affect him for draft time and landing spot? Yeah, uh, we saw Odell Beckham Jr. tear his ACL in the Super Bowl, and that was in February. February 13th was the Super Bowl. Obviously, a month prior, Jamison tore his. I wouldn't expect OBJ to be ready until almost the playoffs. I mean, it's about nine months recovery full ACL. They play wide receiver. Obviously, Jamison Williams is younger, so hopefully he can recover better and fully and have it not really affect his career. Did see OBJ tear one early in his career and bounce back from that, but he won't be ready by the draft. I mean, that's April. You know, that's four months. That's not going to happen, but he could be ready by week one. Probably not fully ready, but he'll be healthy this season fun fact uh he was a high school track star and won the missouri state championship in both the 300 meter hurdles and the 400 meter dash that's a lot of meters there it is missouri that's why henry likes him (laughs) big missouri guy williams transferred from ohio state speaking of other ohio state wide receivers we have chris olave henry another one of your favorites You want to elaborate on Olave? Yeah, uh, Olave was the cream of the crop for the Ohio State wide receivers until he wasn't. It was Garrett Wilson. And it seemed like people just kind of buried Olave, right? All of last year and this year of the NFL season, it sounded like Olave was potentially a third-round NFL pick or somewhere in there. And he had very comparable production to Garrett Wilson. He kind of played more out of the slot with Garrett Wilson being outside. 
they're similar prospects in height, weight, speed, everything. And he could potentially be a better value than Garrett Wilson, who's currently being talked up as potentially the wide receiver one of the draft. And there just seems to be a huge gap between him and Olave, which you almost have to think is just based off of groupthink and a hive mindset of people just kind of fading Olave because they expected so much of him and that he didn't quite live up to those expectations. Now, you being a numbers man, height, weight, I know there's some concern about his size. <laughs> Do you have any concerns as far as that goes once he's in the NFL? No, absolutely not. Uh, you know, we saw Devonta Smith come out six foot, like 160 pounds or whatever he was. I think in today's day and age, there's far less press at the line from DBs and DBs just aren't as big as they used to be or strong, I guess. So wide receivers get free releases, and he may wind up being a slot guy in the NFL as well. So I wouldn't expect his weight to really matter. Again, you can always put on weight. The The size isn't really problematic for me. Good info. So sticking with the Ohio State prospects, we have possibly the top wide receiver in this class, Garrett Wilson. This is a favorite of Iowa. You want to elaborate on Garrett Wilson a little bit and your thoughts on him? Favorite might be a strong word, but if he's one of the top receivers I want in this class, I suppose it is justified. Like Henry said, at the Combine, ran almost identical 40 times within less than 100 of a second apart and is really close to the same size. I was just looking at that. I'm like, you know what? We got size comparison, six feet, 183 pounds. <laughs> yep. So as far as just from a purely, you know, measuring physicals, uh, similar. Looking at him, it looks like... Olave just looks super smooth. With Garrett Wilson, it seems like he makes more people miss out in the open. I like both of them, and I'm back looking at their stats. A few years ago, Olave seemed like the better prospect, or at least the better player at Ohio State than Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson was a five-star recruit, and Olave was a three-star recruit, for whatever that's worth to you personally. Last year, it ended up where Garrett Wilson was a slightly more productive, but yet still both of them really close to the same level of production from like a yards touchdown target share standpoint. Last year, Jackson Smith and Jigba was by far the best wide receiver on the team. So we've got two Ohio State wide receivers going pro, another wide receiver who transferred out of Ohio State going pro, and none of these were even the best wide receiver on Ohio State. Agree with what you said there about Smith and Jigba. He's a great prospect. It is kind of interesting. We saw a number of years ago Taj Boyd play at Clemson with Watkins, Martavis, Sammy Watkins, Martavis Bryant, and DeAndre Hopkins. Justin Fields obviously isn't Taj Boyd, but he did get to play with Jamison Williams at one point. Obviously, didn't do a ton in college, but and then. Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And you wonder if he had better receivers in college than he does in the pros. Certainly a better advantage at wide receiver versus the defense than he does now. So it could be interesting chicken or the egg, right? We saw with Burrow that Burrow's awesome and Chase and Jefferson are awesome. Or it could be that maybe Fields made these wide receivers look really great. And obviously CJ Stroud is a top prospect next year at quarterback. He's no uh, slouch himself. He'll probably be a top two pick in the draft potentially better than Fields. So all that to say that, uh, you know, I think Garrett Wilson is the odds-on favorite to go higher in the NFL draft and rookie drafts, and he probably should be just with the ability to play anywhere on the field, whereas Olave seemed to kind of struggle on the outside. 
they seem to have nonstop fast wide receivers out of Ohio State, and they have nothing but five-star QBs throwing them the ball. So it, it seemed, makes it tough trying to differentiate who is the real winner there. And Mike, but how are you feeling about all these Ohio State wide receivers? There's a lot of them. There is a lot. Like you said, the, uh, the best one we'll draft next year in that loaded 23 class. I do like Wilson. I do like Olave. I think it really depends. I mean, like I said, a lot of these receivers, I've said this several times, is going to be with landing spot for me and and where they fit. I'm not going to want to see one on a team that's got a loaded wide receiver core. I'm going to want to see somebody on the Packers. Still want to see somebody on Kansas City, even though they do have Juju, especially if they can play on the outside. So I think that'll kind of determine where I'm taking them because right now they're really close together. I mean, I think you have Burks is like the clear, almost the clear one Mm -hmm. in this wide receiver class. And and after that, it gets really close, and I'm going to be looking for the best value I can get in the rookie drafts when I'm drafting wide receiver. Noble said it there. Garrett Wilson is, you You see others' rankings, and some people have Garrett Wilson as high as one. I personally like Traylon Burks as one, and I like Wilson and Olave, but I think if they were in like last year's class, I'm still taking them behind like Devonta Smith. Oh, yeah, for sure. I actually like one of the guys more than the Ohio State guys that Mike might be able to shed some light on, Drake London. I do love I love a big wide receiver. Drake London was great with a contested catch. Freshman year, he did pretty well. I mean, not as well as some other some other players. COVID season was a little rough, but then this last season, 88 catches, over 1,000 yards, 7 touchdowns, and only 8 games. Wild. And then he breaks his ankle. No combine, no test results. Gets another small injury in the offseason that kind of pushes his pro day back i think it's now on like the 15th so we haven't seen him run but a big dude that can catch contested balls that's not going in the intro (laughs) (laughs) did he say balls (laughs) i may have i can't i cannot listen to anybody say balls and not laugh The guy's like, he's like 6'4", 220. Probably not going to be the fastest player, but like I said, he can get up there and he can catch him. So I'd be looking for uh, for him probably towards the later first. His injury, I'm hoping, pushes him back because I think he has just as much upside as the other guys in the first round. I'd be looking for value there maybe in the late first. I've actually, um, I saw some people describe him as a taller version of Keenan Allen. Would you agree with that? He's got hair though. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep, can't come. Yep, doesn't fit. Yeah, I don't think so. He's taller than Keenan Allen. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'd have a hard time with that comp. No. Keenan Allen's not 6'4", 220. That's more like Mike Williams. Allen's a big guy, but yeah, he's not that big. And obviously Slayer plays only in the slot, really. He ran like a 4'7", or something. And I think Drake Lennon will be significantly faster than that. Um, obviously, Keenan Allen's play speed is fast enough for the NFL. He's a great player. Not saying that he's not. But Drake London, to me, is what many people said Rashad Bateman was last year. People said Rashad was like made in a lab for Lamar because he can just go up and catch red zone touchdowns on corner fades. And he gives me someone that's 6'4", 220. Sure, shades of Nikhil Harry flashbacks there, but obviously he's not Nikhil Harry. Hopefully not. He could be really good as a red zone target for an offense with a quarterback that throws a bunch of touchdowns. I mean, USC literally made a point of just getting him the ball. I mean, over 10 catches a game, just kind of force-feeding him like any way they possibly could throwing him the ball. Part of what made Bateman a hand-in-hand 
fit with Lamar is the over the center of the field looks. Those were some of his most successful routes. Those were also some of the routes Lamar was most successful throwing to. Drake London, I definitely agree with the jump ball contested kind of player. And while Garrett Wilson and Olave aren't necessarily big players, they're players that have hops and win in jump ball contested scenarios, but are also fast. I like London because he's taller than most of this class. Like if you're wanting the best big wide receiver, it's definitely Drake London. Honestly, after looking into it more, I don't see the big gap between Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, much like Henry was saying there. Just like where they were at Ohio State, they barely separated from each other. So why should we have a, a bigger gap as far as prospects between the two? I understand maybe there's a few things that Garrett Wilson does that maybe scouts like the fact that he's uh, so electric and open field. He was dynamic. He did some punt returning and whatnot. And those are things that are like boxes that people check when they're looking at wide receivers. So having those on his resume, I can understand why you prefer Garrett Wilson to Olave if you do, but I don't think they're separated super far. And if you Drake London, I don't think comps very closely at all to either one of the other ones. He's just a different style of wide receiver. So much like Mike said, landing spot's going to be kind of important there. If it gets someone who's willing to throw the back shoulder fade, that's going to be someone who Drake London loves a lot. They all have uh, some some ability after the catch. Jamison Williams, as Henry said, didn't get a chance to say, but he uh, is someone who is still hi- highly touted by those who loved him before his injury, and a lot of people are going to look at the injury and fade him. If it fades him in draft capital, he could be one of the better values, like at the early uh, beginning of the second round or like a late first kind of pick. As a general whole, like I was saying there, the wide receivers are like start behind Devonta Smith, all these ones that we talked about. So mm-hmm. I'm not super excited about getting any one of them. And if someone wants to give me the kind of value that you would give to trade up to get Chase last year, I might be much more inclined to take that kind of a trade up for that pick this year with like Garrett Wilson or Drake London or Chris Olave or Jameson Williams on the clock. Pick up vets. Awesome stuff, guys. One more I'm real curious to hear about. I know Mike has something prepared here is George Pickens. What can you tell me about him, Mike? So George Pickens, five-star high school recruit. I think he committed to Auburn first, ended up playing in Georgia. If you were in Debbie Leagues, he was a guy you had or have. Freshman year breakout, like 18 years old. Great season, 700 yards, 49 catches over 12 games. Then COVID season happens. Again, you really can't judge that season. It was a little bit off for everyone. And then we're expecting like the big breakout season, kind of, you know, almost like London had or Burks had. And he tears his ACL in the spring before. But he does come back less than a year later, still puts up a couple of catches, but we don't really get anything there. He did still run a respectable 447-40 at the Combine, and I think he's going to be one of the best values draft day because he's probably going to slip in the NFL drafts and then be one of the maybe mid-seconds in your rookie drafts. I think he has as high of an upside as any of the guys taken in the first round. Obviously, you have the risk with the ACL and the injury, but I still think his ceiling is just as high as the guys we'd be taking in our first round, but you'll be getting him in the second. There is a little bit of a question mark as far as he has had a number of off-field issues. Uh, He was suspended for violating team rules, ejected for punching another player. 
and has been called undisciplined by his own coach. Do you think that plays a role in coaches bringing him onto their squad? That's just nitpickings. Honestly, if a player is good in the NFL, they're going to be on the field and they're going to put them in the play. If they're not good, then they're not going to play. If Geis was good, he'd probably still be playing. He could be coming back. Yeah, he's not coming back. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> Doriel Green Beckham is a name that comes to mind when you talk about talented receiver that was always kind of a hothead. He still was a second-round pick, early second by the Titans, and it really depends on what team drafts him because some teams, I'm sure, have taken him off their board because of that. There are some teams that are just so averse to any sort of, you know, questionable character flaws, and they get to talk to all these guys, and maybe he can dispel some of those. He can say, you know, I punched this guy because he said this to me, or, you know, that was a bad look, and I regret it, and this is why it happened, and, you know, try to smooth some things over. But if he goes to, like, the Steelers or something where Mike Tomlin can tend to work with some of those guys better, he might be fine. But if he goes to, like, a Bill Belichick, he might just be done with them after one bad day of practice. I mean, let's not put him in the Steelers. We don't want him being wide receiver three. (laughs) Right, sure. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got a lot of upside, it sounds like. He was de- uh, the most highly recruited player in 2019. He was the number one prospect in Alabama, but decided to go play for Georgia. Yeah, I know. In one of my debut leagues, I mean, people were expecting him to be, like, the guy for this year, and then he got hurt. I mean, our startup draft was, like, in 2019. He was taken quite early. Good stuff. Well, we got one wide receiver left to talk about, and Iowa might want to shed a little light on Mr. David Bell from Purdue. Yep, before we ring the bell to start this mock draft here, one more wide receiver, David Bell. My guy here broke out as a freshman over a 1,000 yards, and after not the greatest season in 2020, he did again last year have over a 1,000 yards. I know him intimately from watching uh, every excruciating second versus Iowa as he proceeded to post 13 catches, 121 yards, and three touchdowns in 2020, and 11 catches, 240 yards, and a touchdown in 2021, beating the Hawkeyes both times there. Something where it's like, as soon as I saw this guy play, I was like, I want this guy in Dynasty. Iowa's defense touted, you know, shutting down great players, uh, especially running backs. But David Bell, man, he made Iowa look silly. Now, this dude is not as fast as anybody here. If you look at his combine measurables, he's got really low percentiles across the board. It was not a good thing for his stock, the combine, for David Bell. But if he gets the saving grace of draft capital, some team takes him in the second round, he's going to be like one of my favorite favorite second round targets this year. Maybe he falls a little bit because of the combine. He's definitely fallen in the eyes of dynasty mock draft rankers as, you know, someone who was early second, late first, and now is mid second, late second. So depending on draft capital, depending on how much I get of David Bell and then, you know, where his ADP falls, but pretty much wherever he goes, if the value isn't too inflated, and I'm going to be picking up a decent amount of David Bell. Do either of you guys guys have a strong opinion on david bell yeah i mean you said it there that the combine was really the killer for him 
the was a Purdue product, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Awesome. Wanted to make sure I had the right guy there. He played with Rondell Moore, even though Rondell Moore didn't play a whole lot. Yeah, he played mm-hmm. while Rondell Moore didn't play. Um, yeah, it's interesting how much stock an NFL team will put into the combine because Rondell Moore produced at the combine and was undersized and didn't have a lot of collegiate production and a long injury history, but he goes out there and runs a fast time and mm-hmm. the team takes him highly. And David Bell had production and then doesn't perform at the combine. So that could really hurt him quite a bit and it could wind up not mattering for the NFL. So hopefully it hurts him in draft capital and you get him, you know, mid third or something and winds up being a good player. Yeah, as long as he doesn't go fifth round. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Hey Mooney. Yeah, you got Mooney in the fifth round. There you go. This is gonna be one of Iowa's famous stashes. Let's just hope he produces. <laughs> I'm hoping he can be my mid-second Elijah Moore instead of my mid-second Terrace Marshall. Oh. This is going to be your Bowden pick. No, no. He's going to go earlier than Bowden, I hope. If he doesn't yeah. go earlier than Bowden, it might be a wrap. <laughs> yeah, there's obviously a lot of rookies that we uh, haven't touched on yet and we'll continue to touch on in the coming weeks. Like Taekwon Thornton was a 40-time demon you know, it looked like he might have set the record. Christian Watson's another big, tall, fast receiver, very similar to Drake London. You know, potentially a big combine riser, uh, obviously a small school guy. But we will touch on almost everyone we can before the NFL draft. Yep, and we'll get to figure out how high Henry is on Alec Pierce. <laughs> yeah, Alec Pierce. Might have made Desmond Ritter a very rich man. All right. Well, thank you for all of this information on rookies. I know I highly appreciate it because a lot of us don't have the time to do all of the research. So we depend on your fantasy brains to help bring us up to speed. So lots of good information. Let's get into this mock draft. Okay, so Nick, what's this mock draft we're doing? Okay, so it is a four-person mock. I won't say four-man mock because Noble is participating. And each of us... And I am not a man. Yes, yes. (laughs) For anybody who's curious. (laughs) We are basically redoing last year's rookie draft. So this is a draft of the sophomores. In a linear fashion, we are going to redraft the top 12 from last year. Doing this is supposed to be an exercise where we can kind of maybe learn something as we approach rookie drafts for this offseason what we drafted last year compared to how we are valuing them now we're going to start with clairvoyance here mr henry st Clair, papa uh, papa papa st Clair ball <laughs> i don't know who that is Who's papa st Clair ball <laughs> i don't know but we said ball again <laughs> indiana and the nfl the theme of today's episodes balls i actually came up with a great uh mike i should have called him we can call him magic mike mm. <laughs> you know they used to call me that at work when i wore the uh the uh the cap and i had the shaved head and i was like 100 pounds lighter mike the magic man oh. and he just walked around in a jock strap i like it <laughs> yeah that was my favorite part <laughs> you know it worked i mean he was he was talking about uncontested yeah, balls, I, mean, so. I had to keep them contested <laughs> So we got Handsome Henry, we got Magic Mike. Nick, we need one for you, Naked Nick. (laughs) As a child, my brother's name is Danny, and he was always Dirty Dan. Oh, I like it. And I was Nasty Nick. Nasty Nick, I love it. He is wearing clothes. To be clear. Uh, Yeah, he's not naked. Although, you know, I I don't want to know, actually. (laughs) 
Yeah, I definitely don't know. <laughs> I have this light that like is right behind the camera or whatever, and my roommate is convinced I shoot porn in here. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Just roll with it. That's an amazing story. All right, Claire, let's get Zach up on the board. All right, we got starting off with Henry. Let's do this. All right, so at uh, one of one of the sophomores for me is going to be Najee Harris, and a big part of that is positional scarcity of running backs. How many true three-down bell cow running backs are there? Last year, he had the RB3 in PPR, 300 carries for 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns, 74 receptions. I mean, that's Alvin Kamara territory for receptions. Just unreal production. Uh, when you get that high of usage and you can stay healthy, you are going to be a stud for fantasy. And Pittsburgh has shown a propensity to have a bell cow back with Le'Veon Bell, pun intended, <laughs> being that guy for many years under Tomlin. Similar system. Obviously, quarterback change uh, from the last like 15 years with Big Ben. We'll see how that affects Najee. There's several narratives you could spin. You could go fewer checkdowns because Big Ben had you know weak arm you could say more scoring opportunities bigger holes because better quarterback play potentially but regardless of any of that i think it's Najee harris here at one i have to agree it would kind of suck if it was like malik willis but even if it's malik willis you'd think trubisky's starting a decent chunk of the season and when they signed trubisky we were looking at the stats that Trubisky had with the Bears, and he made Cohen a thing. Mm -hmm. So if you're worried about Najee Harris not getting any kind of passing work, if Trubisky's the quarterback, I think that can kind of be pushed aside. Just look at Cohen's stats like, well, at least he's done it previously. Now, you want young rookies, the beginning of what your like plateau for peak begins at about 24 and a half so we can love Najee Harris for at least six more months <laughs> yeah recently minted 24 year old let's get up there definitely the right pick I mean again he's 24 so it's probably not going to be ranked up there that long they're not going to be handing the ball off to anyone else they're not going to be throwing the check downs to a different running back it's not going to be Snell it's not going to be McFarland I don't see them adding another significant running back to that team ta-da Ooh. <laughs> I the draft like officially it. started. <laughs> the draft officially started. Angie Harris off the board going over to Papa. Oh, this is a tough one. I'm going to go with Jamar Chase. Oh, you stink. That was going to be mine. You're never going to get Jamar Chase. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe there was a chance you running back. Oh, there's people. totally a chance. You got to give me your next two picks. And, that, that, and and that's oh. why I took Jamar Chase there. It's not because I think he's the most valuable player per position at that two slot there. I probably think that's Javante Williams. Um, even in a timeshare, he's going to be a back-end RB1. I took Chase because his value is absolutely through the roof. I would be able, in a trade, to get a return higher than Najee Harris picked a pick prior. I could probably fill out three or four slots on my team or a couple of first-round picks on top of that. The trade return on Jamar Chase is absolutely ridiculous. People call him untradeable, but I filled out teams by trading him. It's a super good point as far as the trade value. And we talked about on previous ones where when a player is valued as the best at their position, their trade value kind of like is infinite. Like you can almost get anything. 
for Jamar Chase. I honestly think you can get more for Chase right now than Mahomes for some reason. We've seen Chase play more recently, therefore Chase is greater. Oh yeah, obviously he's played in February. <laughs> it's gotta be him. I already got sniped. You didn't get sniped? I'm about to get sniped again. Well, if you get triple sniped <laughs> by the three most obvious picks in a row, it's gonna be Javante Williams here at the Damn one it! <laughs> at the 1.03 here. You know, if you have Javante Williams on your roster, you've got little messages sent into the sky every day, hoping that Melvin Gordon doesn't resign and split that backfield. Because as long as he doesn't, and as long as they don't do something crazy and draft one of the top running backs in this class, Javante Williams is set up to smash. He's super young. You've got him for a few more years. He's on a team that just traded a decent amount of value for Russell Wilson. They're clearly trying to win, and if you're winning, you probably want that running back. Uh, he looked really good on a per-touch average last year, but the whole splitting with Melvin Gordon thing kind of suppressed him. Basically just kind of split that pie in half there. With Melvin Gordon gone, the this guy's limit with Javante Williams, J. Will to the moon. I hope I did snipe you there, Miss Noble. I still don't move him even if Gordon goes back. I mean, I'll still take a back-end RB1 that's 21 years old. He'll last longer if he's not getting, you know, the 400 touches a year. I already hate my team. <laughs> I don't have a quarterback. I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, no. <laughs> Out of curiosity, is your cue in order of how you would pick? <laughs> it is. Okay. So it's my turn. And this is where I would typically be f texting Iowa going, I need a little help in this draft. <laughs> <laughs> and if Iowa doesn't respond, I might move down the line to Henry and Mike. Oh, <laughs> uh, you didn't have to do it like that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wouldn't text them. I'd only be hunting you down. <laughs> He's tagging us with a sleeper notifications not working. Yeah. I need you to wake up because I'm supposed to be drafting. All right. So I guess I'm going with a quarterback here. I'm not super excited about this pick, but I'm going to hope that maybe, you know, he started off slow and his season next season, he's going to light the world on fire. You took the one quarterback that didn't play. Oh, shoot. I just picked the wrong one. No, no, no. I'm oh, really? Wait, did, did she actually pick the wrong quarterback? No, that's the right quarterback. Wait, why am I picking him over like... Trevor Lawrence. I don't know. Why are you? The rushing upside. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence isn't the rushing quarterback, and Trevor Lawrence <laughs> played a full season and threw, what, nine touchdowns? Complete disappointment. So he's fallen in rankings. Wait, but is Lance even going to play? Maybe. We don't know. No. <laughs> but that rushing upside. Why did you have point. him there? Why did you have him there, Iowa? Like, what, is that really where you put him? Yeah. That's really where I put him. Yes. I am a firm believer that since the trade deadline last year, they've been trying to move Jimmy G. And with his no trade clause recently expired, which may have been part of what was holding it up, and then the recent shoulder surgery, which may also be part of what's holding it up, I think that Jimmy gets moved eventually. Or even if he's not, it's foolish of them to keep him. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think Jimmy's eventually going to be moved. But the fear is that Jimmy stays and starts a whole nother year without allowing Trey Lance to play after they traded their entire future away to draft Trey Lance to sit him and not play him for two years. I just think that's uh, pretty dubious. And we talked about on the previous episode, if uh, Trey Lance ends up being even 
a percentage of what Deshaun Watson was in years ago, if you can remember that far back, then uh, Trey Lance will be one of the most coveted assets in the future. Like when you start looking at guys in a draft, it depends what your goal is for this pick. When your range of outcomes includes one of the most coveted quarterbacks in a super flex league, that gives you like a little asterisk on your value. Asterisk? <laughs> As in, it's worth a lot, but this is also one of the most important things that you can have on your team. Like your quarterbacks in Superflex, or even not, are going to be the ones that score the most points. One QB, obviously, quarterbacks are more disposable. Superflex, especially when you're talking 12-team, like we are always assuming when we're saying and we're talking about draft picks and whatnot. Lance has the potential to be the value of Deshaun Watson at five years younger in his range of outcomes. And we talked about it. It's a risky proposition, but this is what justifies putting him there for me. Not only that, he's got a pretty sweet team as long as they don't trade away Debo. Summary, I like Trey Lance a lot. I hope they pull him from the stone. Is that what I'm supposed to say? No, that's what Iowa said. Okay. That's not what she said. Moving right along. <laughs> that's not what she said. That's what Iowa said. All right, Claire. Look at handsome Henry's chomping at the bit. Well, Iowa said it there, asterisk mm. with Trey Lance, definite risk proposition. You and I, we get into a lot of Trey Lance discussions, and they're healthy debates, and I always love debating with you. You know, they did. They gave up a lot to go get him at three. The question still remains, was that their original target when they went up to three? You'd like to think so. You'd like to think they went up to three knowing who they were going to take. But man, there was a lot of speculation, and they didn't say it. I mean, everyone in the world knew it was Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson at one and two. If you you know Trey Lance is your guy at three months before the draft, you could say it because you're going to have him at three. You could have told everyone and there wouldn't still be this question. So that question still remains to me if he's their guy. It seems like they were disappointed. Uh, obviously, Kyle Shanahan came out and said that a couple times. He said, you know, I wish I could say that Trey Lance has made good improvements. And that was last year. And this year, he's uh, been singing a little different of a tune. He's been saying, you know, Lance is looking good, you know, and Jimmy has the shoulder surgery and whatever. But it's still a little bit of an unknown. At number five, I also went with a little bit of an unknown here in Travis Etienne. Jacksonville running back, first round pick last year after they got sniped on Kadarius Toney. I want to say he was like the 25th overall pick. He was awesome at Clemson with Trevor Lawrence. He was many people's RB1, if not RB2 last year behind Najee. Didn't get a chance to play. Obviously, he hurt his Liz Frank was ETN, mm -hmm. I believe. Yeah, the Lisa Frank. <laughs> it was. I looked that up and I was like, what is that? <laughs> it's very colorful. The Taysom Hill injury is what it is. Yeah, ETN, he has the potential to be a great scat back in the NFL and a little bit more than just a, just a scat back. So he'll likely get the receiving work, which a running back is super valuable in PPR leagues. If you give a running back 70 receptions, he's automatically, you know, an RB1 pretty much. Unless that's all he gets, like J.D. McKissick. And then he's still a top 20 RB. So ETN paired with his college, uh, collegiate quarterback and Trevor Lawrence. We've seen it work before. There's no reason to think it can't work. They do have a new head coach. I think everyone would agree it's an upgrade over their previous head coach. It's a Super Bowl winning head coach and Doug Peterson. 
Peterson came out and had some weird comments that James Robinson could be a three-down back when healthy. Obviously, he's coming off an Achilles and won't be ready for the start of the season. I think ETN will show out in camp and prove to Peterson why he was a first-round pick and highly touted player and become the star star running back there in Jacksonville. I sure hope so, because I have a couple shares of him I would like to actually use. Yep, instead of sit on your IR, which was helpful. You know, free up a roster space. I mean, that was great last year. Yeah, I think I'd rather get the fantasy numbers than the IR status. <laughs> the Lance pick, I love Lance, but... My problem with Lance right now is he's getting taken really close to his ceiling. I mean, you don't bet $200 to win 20 bucks. That's kind of where I'm at with him. If I can cash out kind of where he's going at now, I'm I'm kind of doing that. There's just not enough room for growth as a player for, for me. Like, even if he does exactly what we want him to do, and he's a top five quarterback, he, he's already getting valued pretty close to that at this point. ETN, that was a great pick. Going to piggyback right off of that and go with Lawrence here. He was... I can find him on here. Did I even cue him? <laughs> Oh, you didn't cue a guy no. you wanted? <laughs> I, I put Daniel Jones in instead. I messed up. There we go. Yeah, I think Lawrence is a good pick. I, just, I mean, he was the so-called generational quarterback prospect, best prospect since Andrew Luck, and then he gets Urban Meyer, and the entire goddamn team is a train wreck. He threw nine touchdowns. He looked awful. He's got great hair. He's got great hair. <laughs> I'm looking for a, a big improvement in year two. Obviously, I'm not looking to take him 101 in, in this mock draft year, but six player off the board, I think it's a value. I think he's going to take a big step forward coming for, coming next year. Yeah, and he's got the make it make sense Christian Kirk to throw to, who's got what? The fourth highest wide receiver contract in the league? Fourth, maybe fifth now. I feel like it changes every day. Yeah, it's getting leapfrogged. Yeah, there's been a couple that have snuck in there. I can digs it. That was my line when Diggs made his, uh, <laughs> I was like, I can digs it. Christian Kirk, you say that make it make sense because that was your question to us as soon as he signed his contract is make this contract make sense to me. I, I couldn't. I was like, what is going is Am I missing something here? I don't understand Christian Kirk being the at the time he was the third highest paid wide receiver in the league. It makes a lot of sense. Nobody wants to play for Jacksonville. That's how much money they had to pay him to play in Jacksonville. Remember Corey Davis contract. That's bad. <laughs> that that, that would be like trying to go ahead. Let's say Jonathan Taylor was a free agent trying to pay him to go to Detroit. How much money would you have to give him right now? Yeah. Or Devontae Adams or anybody like that. How much would you have to pay for them to go to Detroit or Jacksonville? One year, 10 million. DJ Chark answered that question. Yeah. But he's going to cash in again. And for some reason, he picked Goff to help him cash in. I, I don't know. No. Make it make sense. <laughs> that one might not make sense, but. <laughs> I got nothing. Best way I can justify it right now. They signed Christian Kirk. They signed Evan Ingram when they already had Dan Arnold and traded for him last year. So now they've got two good pass catching tight ends. They still have Chenault and Marvin Jones on the team. They re-signed Treadwell and they also signed Zay Jones. So new Jags, who dis basically is what their wide receiver core is and it's not very sexy no one little correction there that's a pro bowler evan ingram yeah yes i almost yeah. forgot yeah. but i guess <laughs> what i'm getting to with all this is henry's selection there with travis etn his one of the his best qualities is receiving back 
And when the best wide receiver on your team is Christian Kirk, maybe there's a chance he could be pretty awesome this year. So I really like that as number five overall here in this draft. Why, thank you. I'm sure I uh, will like your number seven pick here less than you like mine. With Mike taking Trevor Lawrence there, the 1.01 last year, where now it's the number six pick in this draft, uh, that's rough if you drafted him with the 1.01 last year. But here with the seventh selection in this draft, Justin Fields. His wide receiving core isn't great. I do think Darnell to the Mooney with Allen Robinson heading off to the Rams. They signed a supreme talent in Pringle. In Byron Pringle. (laughs) (laughs) He popped last year, and you know the saying that once you do, you can't stop. And... They didn't stop there, and they gave him a contract. So <laughs> Once you pop. <laughs> so it validates some of the commit love, because if somebody's going to catch passes, yards, touchdowns, or whatever, it's got to be somebody. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they draft somebody, or uh, there's still more signings to be had there, because it's looking pretty slim. But Justin Fields is the point here. The, the faller last year and last year's NFL draft still has the, you know, rushing upside that you like in a quarterback. Started most of the season, took the job from the Red Rifle, you know, QB1, but for how long? There's a whole lot of Andy Dalton QB1s here this year. It'll be interesting to see which ones end up with rookies behind them who might be, you know, removing that name tag. But here with both Lance and Trevor Lawrence off the board, assuming this is 12-team Superflex TEP, which is what we're assuming here in this draft, uh, Justin Fields would be my next selection. They did sign Equinamia St. Brown. Yeah, to a veteran minimum contract. Yeah, I think they also signed the long snapper. They they also have Daz Newsome, a player I've never heard of. <laughs> yeah, fifth round pick out of North Carolina. He broke his collarbone last season. He was he was a slender guy and uh, just never really clicked. He was a, a sleeper for some people last year. He yeah. was selected at the end of a, a lot of rookie drafts, but yeah, like you said, broke his collarbone and drifted into irrelevancy. Yeah. Wait, is this Daz? Yep. Yes, Daz Newsome. How do you? anything about this guy. I don't even know who he is. I just liked his name, so I wrote it down. <laughs> when you watch as much Sam Howell tape as I did, all the... I'm so impressed right now. UNC receivers. Yeah, Justin Fields had some bad luck with injuries. He ended up on the COVID list. What? He only played, like, 12 games last season, I think. Yep. Yeah. Sounds about right to me. And one of those, I think, is like a... Maybe one or two of those is like a fake game where he came in on the goal line and had a rushing touchdown against the Rams, I think it was. So he might have only started, you know, 10 or 11 whatever it is yeah 10 starts yep yep so him and lawrence both more ints than tds last year you'd love to see that changed i think the bears would be a great spot for a rookie wide receiver to get drafted to like you said you're not going to go into the year with mooney and pringle you're just not you know especially if you want to see justin field succeed so they're one of the top uh wide receiver landing spots for me well miss queen <sighs> it's my turn what do we what do you got oh you guys have no idea that it the struggle is real. Terrace here. It's real life. Even though this is a mock draft, I feel all the anxiety. It's awful and terrible. So if I was to channel my inner Iowa right now, he would tell me to pick Zach Wilson. <laughs> I would say, if you were 5'9", who would you pick? If I was 5'9". And you just grew like 7 inches. 210 pounds. 
I would be picking Zach Wilson. That would be the next player in his queue, probably. So I would have what? Sniped no. Handsome Henry for Zach Wilson? <laughs> no. Um, so I guess I'm going all in on quarterbacks in this mock draft because, you know, the people before me have taken all the other players that I would have drafted. Well, we're not really building a team here. I think we're just taking the yeah. So generally, like, if you're going off of rankings, it's good that everybody took all the players that you wanted because that means you had them ranked appropriately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I Of course I had them ranked appropriately. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So let's see, Zach Wilson, what, played 13 games last season, nine touchdowns through 11 interceptions. Yeah, the stats are probably not the uh, point we want to talk about with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just not really. You know, at this point of these. I'm better than Fields. Yeah. <laughs> at, at this point. Didn't Sam Darnold have the same stat line? Because I thought I remember making I, the joke I about a 9-11 stat I, line. I think, he, I think he did, and they're both New York quarterbacks. <laughs> 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 what is really exciting for me, not so much Iowa, because we had this argument over and over again, is I do believe Braxton Berrios resigned in yep. New York. Um, and so I am very excited about that. Now, that was one of those that I went out on a limb and drafted at the end of the season from free agency. Well, took him in free agency. And Iowa was like, no, he's junk. You don't want him. And I think he might have won me a couple of things there at the end. But he might have. Anyway. Zach Wilson. If you guys if you guys do get me tickets to the MetLife 50 Club for every game next year, Zach Wilson will have a great year. I went to one game last year. He did well. Mm. Oh, you're the good luck yeah, charm? Yeah, I was probably half a season. Ask Henry. He's the Jets fan. Yeah. Does Zach Wilson know this? Because he I needs mean, to get you him. tickets. Uh, <laughs> I think you should dial him up. Let him know. I'm your good luck charm. It's got to be the hair. Yeah. His uncle will buy you tickets. That was, I believe it was his uncle or his, like, some sort of, like, relationship to him. Owns one of the major airlines in America. It's JetBlue. JetBlue. And his first game for the Panthers, he basically said, he's like, hey, anyone that uh, likes Zach Wilson, I'll pay for a bus to come pick everyone up and fly you all to Carolina to fill the stands with Zach Wilson fans. It's like, wow, that's that's certainly a unique situation that you do not hear about with any other quarterback. Let's give it a try. Yep, I think his uh, godfather, Steve Young, BYU, uh, BYU... What's the term I'm looking for here? BYU uh, prospect product. Uh, product. Yes, thank you. Papa, uh, papa. It's a BYU papa. Uh. <laughs> yep. Other notable BYU quarterbacks, you know, Taysom Hill and Steve Young, right? Great company to be in. Yep. Zach Wilson looks like he needs his papa to sign his permission slip to go to NFL games. It's the headband. <laughs> yeah, Zach Wilson was someone who last year a lot of people didn't really like and i think a lot of the fatigue on zach wilson was that everyone loved justin fields and you know rightfully so justin fields is a good player but people were really kind of angry that justin fields wasn't like the second overall pick in the nfl draft and like who's this zach wilson schmuck and why is the nfl so mean to justin fields and in love with the zach wilson kid and they kind of took it out on uh thinking that he was really bad and i believe that he proved that he is you know definitely worthy of the second overall pick to me, he's the quarterback that I like out of this group the most, and that's not a popular opinion by any means, but... I like it. <laughs> I think he changed the the minds of a lot of people last year. They kind of expected him to come in and look awful, and then the Mike White game happened, 
And people were like, Mike White's the best quarterback of the Jets. And then he, you know, obviously turned back into Mike White. But Zach Wilson, he had that incredible run at the end of the year against Jacksonville down the sideline for like 60 yards where he juked like seven people out. And he's got underrated legs. He's bigger than people think at 6'2", 220. He's got that baby face on him. Mm-hmm. And people just uh, I think he's kind of a joke. But I, I like the pick there. And then with it being half point tight end premium, I will go Kyle Pitts at nine. And that's something that a lot of people might think is really low mm-hmm. on Kyle Pitts. And they might go, you know, Zach Wilson over Kyle Pitts. You know, he's a he's the best tight end in Dynasty, and he is. You'd be correct. But the tight end position as a whole, even in half point tight end premium, doesn't score nearly as many points as a quarterback. And our standard format is super flex twelve team. So you're starting twenty four quarterbacks a week. And so most starting quarterbacks are going to have some good value because they're going to be able to score 18 points a week potentially. Whereas a tight end, you'd be lucky if they score a touchdown. Kyle Pitts only got like one of those last year and a thousand yards. So you could say, you know, there's only positive regression for his touchdowns. He was the, what, fifth overall pick in the draft last year, fourth, fourth overall pick in the draft last year by the Falcons. Obviously loses Matt Ryan, has Mariota, maybe a rookie quarterback this year. And he produced first thousand yard receiving year for a tight end as a rookie since like Ditka or something might be the first one. I think Ditka was the first. And that's, you know, 50 years apart. So Pitts is a truly generational tight end prospect. As a group, we tend to devalue the tight end position because there's just so many guys every year tight end that kind of come out of nowhere. Like Dalton Schultz this year, Dawson Knox, guys that score a bunch of touchdowns and are one of the best offenses in football. You take the best offense in football and you take their tight end, he's liable to catch eight touchdowns a year, and that's going to make you a top eight tight end. For the record, I don't devalue a good tight end. Mm. (laughs) Neither does Twitter. No. Like, if uh, you put Pitts on Twitter, he's worth... You know, everything you have and rights to naming your firstborn. <laughs> when you get into our groups, you might think Pitts is bottomless as far as where he might go in a draft. But even here, I could justify taking him over maybe Zach Wilson. If Zach Wilson tops out with, you know, not in like a QB1 range, then in, would you rather have a high-end QB2 or possibly the best tight end? I can understand people argument where the Falcons don't have anything like when Auden Tate is your wide receiver that you like to brag about Kyle Pitts really could be a major focal point of both the offense and opposing defenses but how often does somebody come along like Kyle Pitts with that draft capital never once every 50 years (laughs) how often do tight ends even have as good a rookie season as he did even with diddly squat for touchdowns not very often He's a unicorn, so it's just where you put that price tag. He's definitely a unicorn there. My biggest problem with Pitts is where you have to take him. You're sacrificing either a quarterback or a running back on your team, a position that's so hard to actually replace. When a guy like Pitts, yeah, maybe you can't have Pitts because he's going around two or three, but you can wait several rounds and still grab a tight end one. You can wait several rounds later, still grab a tight end two, and the rest of your team is so much stronger for it. I mean, probably the biggest benefit of actually taking Pitts is the ability to throw him right up on the trade block and have some guy give you way too much for him. That's exactly it. And if you're in leagues that aren't currently drafting that are already existing, good luck. Because whoever has Pitts way overpaid for him and probably wants the moon for him. There's no one who doesn't want a whole lot for Pitts that still has Pitts. 
Like it just, it just doesn't happen. So it's just the pits. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like there's, there's two types of drafters. There's those people who really love a top tight end. And then there's the P then there's all others. But if you're that person who just feels like you have to have one of the top tight ends, then somebody like Pitts is going to go a lot higher rather than, than waiting a while and grabbing other uh, positions that are going to be probably more valuable. But there's people out there who just feel like they have to have a premier tight end and pick them way earlier than I'm willing to pick them. And then they lose out on an actual premier position that's actually scarce. When like a tight, uh, like tight ends, you, yeah. you, even like a 12-team Superflex League, even tight end premium, you can get startable tight ends, streamable tight ends for next to nothing. And the point difference between that and a guy like Pitts is not going to be as much as you're going to lose in your running back position or your quarterback position when you take him that early. But you're not talking those people out of it. It's no. it's amazing when you have those conversations. You will not get through to those people about the point differentials in the positions. And that's okay. Yeah. They can be they can be the ones to take them. Right. <laughs> and the gap between like picking Pitts and Tanyan might be a little bit greater. Tanyan 27, you know, Pitts still could be in college at 21 and a half currently. The real argument for me comes in with like the difference between like Pitts and Goddard or the difference between Pitts and Hawkinson and then where you're drafting them. So people are picking Pitts in the second round of startups, super flex startups. And right after that, you can get Cam Akers, Devontae Williams, Dak Prescott, and you're missing out on those players by selecting Pitts. If you're selecting Hawkinson, you're missing out on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Miles Sanders, maybe Rashad Bateman, who we probably won't even get to this draft when you're taking Hawkinson. So it's the sacrifice you have to make at other positions, like Mike was saying there, where if you want to take pits and have pits, I can't make up that gap with what I miss out selecting pits in the second round as easily as I can make up the gap at other positions I can make by selecting even Hawkinson four rounds later. Yeah. The biggest killer for pits was the lack of touchdowns. Well, it's not really even a killer. That's just like something that you can't predict you you can't predict touchdowns you can't he had what one touchdown he had one yeah that makes a season that looked that much better mm -hmm. and matt ryan was never one to really throw like a lot of the a lot of touchdowns to his number one target look at julio and then obviously look at Pitts last year and now he's got mariota maybe he gets more touchdowns but is the yardage gonna hopefully they draft someone targets catches yards a little bit more predictable than the touchdowns especially when it comes to tight ends the ones that are going to be targeted at a decent clip plus all tight ends have the ability to be one of the bigger guys on the field and be a red zone target at least to an extent so with Pitts offering the wide receiver like upside where they so far is splitting him out as if he's like the x Pitts is running like a super wide receiver and also getting to be a tight end for fantasy football it's different than you're getting picking hunter henry as the 16th tight end off the board so it's just what that gap in value 
value means to you. I understand he's a pretty sweet asset to have, but when you see these trades on Twitter where it's like, you can have my entire future and two studs <laughs> for tight end, and then you look at the comments and people are saying you undersold you undersold pits. I'm never going to buy pits. Never going to be able to. It, I'll, I'll probably get pits when he's about Kelsey's age. <laughs> and that's okay. It is interesting for NFL purposes what Kyle Pitts really is because you were saying they can split him out wide as an X and every year and in going into the draft there are people that say Kyle Pitts should just be their wide receiver because they don't have any. Why he still plays tight end is because he is such a mismatch. You line him up at tight end, what are they going to do? Put a corner in you know the middle of the field in the box and then he just bulldozes him in the run game? Or are they going to try to guard him with a safety and then you know he's too big and too fast for that guy? Guard him with a linebacker, he's way too fast. You know That's why he's going to produce. It's kind of like with Gronk back in the day and you know you might have to start double teaming the guy and defenses might have the ability to do that with how the Falcons have no one else really as a threat yeah you said it there you know replacing with even a guy like Zach Hurts last year was like top what six tight end or something and he was unwanted by his own franchise everyone said Zach Hurts is washed he's so old he's so slow he's this that and the other the team trades him for like a third in some corner that no one remembers the name of it might not even been a third it was like a fourth or fifth it was some like mid late round pick and then he's the tight end six because he goes to arizona with a good quarterback give me any tight end with a great quarterback and they're going to produce i mean conklin last year with kirk cousins was like a serviceable tight end and it's like this guy was the backup making no money and we've argued that like tight ends seven through 12 every year it's different names there like it's a rotating door so when you're paying for pits you're paying for the consistency to be there whereas otherwise then you're uh-huh. trying to find this year's tanyan or this year's breakout tight end who goes later in drafts you don't have to worry about that position at all uh that's at least the you know the argument for pits oh yeah right. but like but at the same time, you can every year you can pay a third round pick and grab that year's Earths or Tanyan from another team mm-hmm. rather than invest so much capital into pits. Right. And, you know, some people will say they'll make the argument against early running backs. A lot of people that take pits are going to be subscribers of Zero RB or Hero RB. And they like the positional lockdown of tight end. And then they devalue running back and say, you know, I can get by with a scat back. I can play J.D. McKissick, James White, Naheem Hines and play the PPR game. And if that's what you want to do, you want to go find the noodliest armed quarterback and find their receiving back? Go ahead. I mean, there's going to be weeks where you're going to be really upset that the game script was that team was winning and they didn't pass to the running back because they just ran the ball and that guy doesn't run the ball. So, obviously most of us here subscribe to get stud running backs that are going to be consistent and hope they don't get injured. Whereas some people are going to say, running back are going to get injured and i want you know to just lock in a position where i think the injury is less but predicting injuries to me is so fluky and dang near impossible that if you think you're doing that you're a witch doctor no you have to you have to go to the scarce position you have to go ahead and load up on your quarterbacks you got to load up on your running backs yeah running backs are going to get hurt that's part of the game every position is going to get hurt the reason why you don't feel that wide receiver is because there are so many of them mm-hmm. there's what maybe at most like 30 running backs that you, that you really want want to have in your running back slot in the league and there's at least double that in wide receivers 
AJ Brown got hurt. Even quarterbacks, there there are probably more quarterbacks that you would want to put into your actual quarterback or super flex spot than there are running backs that you want to start in your two running back slots. Definitely. Just because any team that's any player that's starting at quarterback, you're going to want to play. Running back, I mean, some maybe like 31, 32, and maybe 29, you really don't want to play at all. Mm-hmm. And then the zero RB guys try to go ahead and, you know, they don't take the running backs. They try to get some of the other guys. What they really end up doing is perpetually rebuilding. They, they draft no running backs in the startup, and, you know, they have a, a couple of scrubs, and then they end up getting an early draft pick maybe for the next year. They take a running back maybe, but realistically, they still don't want to pay for that running back. They want to take the quarterback, or they want to take the wide receiver again. They kind of keep getting stuck in the same thing where the team's just never quite good enough because really to be good enough, you need the depth at all the positions, and running back is one of the biggest ones to have. So it's interesting you bring this point up because there was a comment on Twitter that I had seen about you draft Javante Williams, Alvin Kamara, and Cam Akers in the first three rounds of your fantasy football draft. It's a 12-team league. How do you like your team so far? And it was interesting to go through all of the comments for that and see how many people don't value. I mean, I know you guys value running backs and draft running backs because of the scarcity of the position. But it was so interesting to read through those comments and see how few people draft in that way, thinking, oh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to take these stud wide receivers, but there's so much more depth in the wide receiver position to be able to go and pick up somebody. And their, their whole point was, well, yeah, except if those guys get injured, then you're, you know, you're screwed at the rest of your positions. Definitely interesting. So I was on Reddit today and I saw a post where people were posting how many leagues they have and, you know, and, and what types of leagues they were. And most people are in four leagues, five leagues. So when you go ahead and you're in four or five leagues and you draft running backs and generally when you draft, you draft very similar players across your leagues, right? Because that's how you rank them and that's how they're going to fall. So if you have, if you're really high on Barkley like two years ago and you, you take Barkley and he gets hurt and maybe you're high on, well, obviously everybody was high on CMC, but my point is, is they get a couple of injuries in their running backs and in their four or five leagues, they have similar players across the board. That, that affects them pretty hard, pretty tough. You know, I have 109 leagues, so I have a very wide range of players. I don't have any personal attachment to them and the teams that I have that are great are the ones with solid depth all around, especially at the running back position and quarterback position. I love the point you made about no personal attachment to players because I have a home league like most people do and in my home league it's people that that might be their only dynasty league and I have an abundance of running backs and I was looking to trade Joe Mixon at one point and someone goes yeah but Mixon always gets hurt and I'm like what about the year he led the AFC in rushing what about this year he didn't get hurt he gets hurt for one season and he's labeled as injury prone he's not good anymore it's whatever if a guy burns you like that like people took him in the first round that was the year people took Joe Mixon and James Conner back to back in the first round and then all of a sudden you know James Conner's terrible Joe Mixon's terrible and then this year they're both top 10 running backs and so it's really important to know that every player is going to get hurt like AJ Brown got hurt this year but you don't quite see people knocking AJ Brown as injury prone and going to forever be hurt and he sucks I mean it's just it's kind of ridiculous to do it with running backs oh, yeah. if you're not going to do it with everybody I mean well look at Barkley he tore his ACL mm-hmm. and what's a pretty commonly known thing about guys that running backs to tear their ACL after a full year of recovery 
story, that's when they really start to kind of pick things up. That first season back, if, the, if it was a little soon, it's going to be a little slow. So what happens? He's a little slow this year. So many people just wrote the guy off. You know, a guy who can catch 90 catches in a year. A guy who literally can take any play for a touchdown. That type of electric player just completely written off. I'm guilty. I am guilty of writing off Barkley. I It was two seasons of being a little burned. I'm just trying to get through that. I'm trying to work through it. But why not CMC? Yeah, but I am. I am also a little bit skeptical of CMC. Okay. So I'm not playing favorites there. I probably would not be drafting CMC any sooner than I'd be drafting Barkley in that position. I think that's I think that's very intelligent. I think most people have like a four round gap between the two right now. Some people are still taking CMC in the second round of startups. And it's like, why? He's 25 and like a half and he's super, he's been injury prone. And if you're going to label Cam Akers as injury prone, why is CMC all of a sudden not injury prone? And then he's was the same draft class as Leonard Fournette, someone else who probably got written off two years ago. And it's like, these guys are going to have years where they're hurt. It doesn't make them an awful player unless they're Todd Gurley and they just, you know, can't walk anymore. But for the most part, guys are going to get hurt and they're going to recover. And then they're going to go back to being pretty good. Towards the end of the fantasy season, last season, I got on a show and at that point, two thirds of the running backs that had been drafted had been hurt. Mm -hmm. The top 24 uh, running backs had been hurt. Two thirds. Wide receivers, half of them. And that's saying that they missed a game. Now, COVID makes those numbers a little bit bigger than what they would be maybe normally from injury. But injury is just par for the course. When it comes down to it, taking a low score from a running back, hoping you pick the right one this week, having the stud that puts up close to what your quarterback score in a given week is the difference between winning a championship and losing a championship. You know, you're looking at the previous season. You rank them by fantasy points. You see quarterback, 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 running back, quarterback, quarterback, running back, quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. So you know that the quarterbacks are going to score the most. And then the very tippy top of the running backs are going to break into almost just as valuable of a tier. And then when you get the wide receivers, the difference between a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two is pretty close to what the difference between a RB1 and an RB2 is. But then an RB3 is a much greater gap from an RB2 than a wide receiver three is from a wide receiver two and even from a wide receiver one. So what you can take from this information is the very top running backs are the most coveted assets. After that, you're just trying to play the guessing game and do it correctly with matchups and whatnot. At wide receivers, you have so many other options that have a chance to break into that best wide receiver to play that weak tier. Like even coveted players like Tyreek Hill have weeks where they score less than 10 fantasy points. It's just the nature of wide receiver. Even the very best ones don't have blow up weeks every single week. The very best running backs do. So you get more consistency with a similar ceiling of the tippy top of the running backs. Whereas with wide receivers, if you don't have the tippy top of wide receivers, you're still getting something that's more comparable in a wide receiver three than you would be getting out of like an RB three. So is this a good point to segue into the wide receiver that Pup is picking? Yes, probably. <laughs> so, Papa, let's move on to you. Speaking of 
wide receivers. Who's your next pick? So my next pick, because I was sniped by Claire again, like I am all of the time <laughs> between him and Iowa, just <laughs> constantly sniped because a lot of our values are very close. So it's always, you know, a little bit of a frustration when drafting with them. <laughs> Broken news. Yeah. It's the downside of working <laughs> together. So I took my next best player on the board, Jalen Waddle. I know the Hill trade affects him. I'm very high on that offense going forward. Improved offensive line. You had Hill, you got Waddle, you got Gusecki. Ready for that offense to kind of go off. And that could blow up on me in a lot of places. I can dig it. I like Waddle, and I've liked him in that like fourth, fifth round range all the way up until now, where when you're actually in drafts, you have no chance of drafting Jalen Waddle in the fourth and fifth round. So as a result, it's not like I was getting a whole lot of Jalen Waddle. But now, Tyreek Hill's there, market has corrected closer to what I had him at previously, and even then, I'm probably a little less interested than I was previously. For me, when I have these guys ranked, I have Waddle in a similar range as like Mac Jones or Zach Wilson, where at least you have the young wide receiver who's already broken out in his rookie year. Yes, he got a 28-year-old stud put next to him with a quarterback who has a decent chance to limp arm him enough footballs to keep him fantasy relevant. I like the Waddle pick. I, I like his dance just as much as I like the player. And honestly, I'm glad you took him because it makes my decision easier with the next pick here, which is where I selected Mac Jones. They just traded for Devontae Parker, the rare in-division trade. And if you follow the Pats, you know they've basically patched together wide receivers, kind of like the Jags almost did this year, where they go out and they pay. They paid Bourne. They paid Aguilar. They paid two different tight ends. They went out on a splurging spree, just like the Jags did this year on mediocre guys so what they do they traded for another mediocre guy and Devonte parker so now mac doesn't have two mediocre options to throw to he now has a third in all seriousness he got a true x and he already has jacoby myers which is one of the more underrated players out there hunter henry is one of the more underrated tight ends someone i love to get in startup drafts john smith someone i like to avoid completely but <laughs> The ceiling for Mac Jones just isn't there the same way that it is for like a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance. But the ability to be like, I mean, if he's the next Kirk Cousins, it's not that bad. Yeah, the next Derek Carr, potentially. Mm -hmm. You know, 3,800 yards this year, 22 passing touchdowns. I mean, you can add together any two of the three of Fields, Lawrence, Wilson's touchdowns, and they don't equal Mac Jones. Mm -hmm. And yet Mac Jones finished as, you know, the quarterback 18 on the year because he simply does not have legs. I mean, he might as well just be, like, sitting there in a chair throwing the ball, which is good for the NFL. He's a, he's a really good quarterback, you know, and maybe you think that he's guaranteed to play 10 years because he's a good quarterback. Just how much is a mid QB2 going to be worth to you for 10 years with no potential to be a QB1 in my eyes and sounds like your eyes as well. Interesting, you know, splitting the ball up that many different ways. Jacoby Myers was the wide receiver 30, I want to say, off the top of my head last year. And you add in Parker and you have Bourne, who was around wide receiver three range. Then you have Hunter Henry, who was a top 10, top 12 tight end, depending on format. And then you have Jonu coming off injury, and he was paid just as much as Hunter Henry. And then you have, you know, James White coming back. It's a lot of different different pieces in motion there. I mean, he was outscored in points per game by Goff. So, I mean, how, <laughs> how, how much is 10 years of Goff last season worth to you? 
Yeah, it's really gross when you actually look <laughs> at it, and then you see him taking in, like the second, the third, even the fourth. Yep, he had a game this year against Buffalo with negative point five four points. Obviously, that week probably killed you. Yeah. But, you know, he's a good player. I think in fantasy, it's just like the real NFL. We're talking about, you know, them paying Aguilar and Bourne, and Bourne worked out, you know, okay, but, and the Christian Kirk contract. It's the same way with fantasy football. If you pay someone like a stud, it doesn't make them a stud. Mm -hmm. You know, you really want the studs and then dumpster diving. And it's the same way in the NFL, right? You want to pay a stud 25 mil and then draft a bunch of rookies that's kind of the way that i think you should approach dynasty is don't fill your bench with don't break down a stud into a bunch of okay 30 year old wide receivers that are going to give you wide receiver four years you know give me the the young studs and then give me the rookies because i don't want to pay for medio mediocrity mm-hmm. breaking down studs young studs like sophomores in this draft if you can break down studs into more studs then go for it. You know, if you can trade away Jonathan Taylor to someone that thinks he's just the next Saquon, which obviously didn't work out. I mean, seriously, people that think Jonathan Taylor is this untradeable asset, mm-hmm. look at Saquon his rookie year, his his rookie or sophomore year, whatever it was, that he was an animal. And then he falls off the face of the planet. Look at Juju Smith-Schuster if you think Jamar Chase is untradeable. I mean, these guys were the guys at one point. And if you can break them into more studs, then you lower your probability of those guys falling off the face of the planet. Jonathan Taylor or Javante Williams at a 23 first? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'll take Javante Williams. And it's because he's a similar age to Jonathan Taylor. He's probably on a better offense now. I mean, it's similar. Maybe, you know, this the Colts have a better line. I think they're similar players. They're both around 5'10", 5'11", 225 pounds. They can be goal line guys. They have home run ability. They're very similar players to me. And then you give me, you know, an opportunity in one of the loaded classes, supposedly, of a first round pick. That could be, you know, the first overall pick. That could be the twelfth overall pick. And I still think it's the Javante Williams side. I like that format where you're getting a player who is still selected in like the top fifteen players of every draft, top twelve players in mm-hmm. most drafts, and something else that has the ability mm-hmm. to appreciate over time. What I don't like is breaking him down into Cooper, Keenan Allen, and DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, no, whenever I'm breaking, I, I do this a lot, and I know you guys really don't. I break apart big studs pretty often, and I try to break them down into pieces that I think are going to go ahead and grow and have a really large, like, amount that they can actually grow. You know, like a like a 101. You know, some rookie mm-hmm. picks and stuff like that, wide receivers. I want to break them to things that can actually grow when I'm selling peak value assets. So, I, I don't have anybody that's untradeable. I'll trade Jonathan Taylor. I'll trade Jamar Chase. I'll trade Justin Herbert. I'll trade Mahomes, Allen, anybody. Anybody where I think I can go ahead and turn what I actually trade them into into more than that henry brought up saquon back in the day one of my teams that's been going since the midseason of 2019 is now a super team and it's because i broke down saquon barkley at peak value and i broke him into studs and now this team is ridiculous so realizing when a player has reached the max amount of value that they're ever going to have and cashing out into assets they have the ability to appreciate to elite asset status or similar to the one being broken down are always good moves, especially 
this far out the out off season. There's so much that can change now. So what's the odds that this one player holds his value? Or what's the odds that these three really good players, at least a couple of them, hold their value? Especially now, breaking them down into studs that could rise between now and even the very beginning of the season without playing a snap of football. There's opportunities out there, and like you said there, that was a a great example. Yeah, Mike said that uh, we don't necessarily like to break down our studs into more studs, and I do. It's just not very often I can find someone willing to do it. We're in a league together. And I had the 101. We took kickers for picks in this draft. I took the 101 at around like the 412 or the 401 or something. And Mixon went eight picks before that. Fast forward a month, I trade the 101 for Mixon plus Rashad Bateman. I effectively jumped up eight picks in that round and then also got a seventh round startup pick. You look for assets that are going to grow in value. And picks always grow in value. You heard all year long, oh, the 2022 class is weak. The 2023 class is where you want your rookies. Man, give me the rookie picks. People are going to fall in love with prospects every year. There's five quarterbacks that could be first-round picks. There's two or three stud running backs this year. There's 18,000 receivers that people love this year. And who knows which one's going to be the best. I mean, no one can definitively say that any receiver this year is just like a lock to be the best. And, you know, breaking down potentially Brees Hall and Rashad Bateman and Joe Mixon... Joe Mixon could lead the league in rushing next year, and it would not shock me. He could. And Rashad Bateman could be the wide receiver one. He could be what Marquise Brown was this year, except better and younger, and that would not be surprising. So I think that's a very good philosophy to have. Now, obviously, don't tear them down too far, and don't tear them down into aging veterans, right? Don't trade the 101 for DeAndre Hopkins or Michael Thomas and and Eckler or something. You know, you're going to regret that in three years when Brees Hall is potentially a top 10 running back and Eckler and Hopkins are well, in retirement homes. So when I did the other league we shared, I traded uh, Chase to a really, really bad team. I got, what, Godwin, Elisha Moore, and a 23 first from him. It was, that's that's ridiculous, and that's unbelievable value. <laughs> I, I, I was kind of weak at wide receiver besides Chase. I filled in two wide receiver slots, and I got a pick that I probably project early. The team is in really rough shape. I don't know why he made that trade that's called cashing out on the name value man that's part of the reason why like me personally keep trade cut is a great measurement of what the average idiot's name recognition is (laughs) oh what was the uh trade i put up the other day that i i input into keep trade cut it was like a patrick mahomes on one side and it was like the 101 the 105 the 112 and cam Akers. oh yeah like you could potentially and it was mahomes yeah you could potentially have two rb1s and (laughs) you know maybe a a, up the quarterback two of the class and another quarterback probably like a top wide receiver in the class yeah. and you just give up Mahomes like yeah. that was insane you're getting five potential studs yeah. for Mahomes and it's like it's like how many more years is Mahomes really going to be yeah. great for I love Mahomes but can't we definitively sit here and say Mahomes is going to be the best quarterback in the uh, league even, at age 32 even, I can't and that's only five, top five quarterback at 27 28 years old all of a sudden he's going to be creeping into the back end of the first year early you know the early bit of the second mm-hmm. when you can go ahead and piece something out just so much and fill out an entire roster with one player that's absurd mm-hmm. well and Mahomes started to come back down to earth last season I mean there definitely was more of a 
normalcy to his season. There was a couple of, you know, weeks that I was like, what is happening? I need you to perform I mean, <laughs> on the I mean, My wife level. was saying the same thing, but I mean, he was quarterback four on the year. Everyone made it seem like he had this awful down year. And... Well, because he's, we're used to him putting up like obscene numbers. So like when he puts up normal numbers, it feels wrong. Quarterback four <laughs> is obscene. That's an, that, that's an absurd position to be in. Like if that's like his floor, that that is absolutely insane. And the fact that he he spoiled us. <laughs> the the fact that he dropped down to like the second overall pick in Superflex startups to, to Josh Allen over being quarterback four is kind of crazy. Wow. Yeah, but when he had the quarterback one for the quarterback four, you know, then yeah. it kind of makes sense. You know, you oh, can yeah. see that argument go either way. Yeah. Nice pick on Elijah. Yep. Uh, that's another pick yep. where I could see an argument either way. Who, who do you pick as number twelve in this class? Definitely not Elijah Moore. No, probably Mitchell. I think it's in contention. You like Devonta Smith more than Elijah Moore? I love Devonta Smith. I mean, probably the worst quarterback in the league and puts up 900 yards as the only wide receiver on the field. And this guy's getting double teamed every play if you watch the tape. He really is. Doesn't even get one sentence before the hurt slander. No. <laughs> it's like there's a safety over the top shading inside on him and a corner playing outside leverage on bump and run. And they're bumping him. I mean, it's like press at the line for Devonta Smith, which he's a small guy. He beats the press most plays. And then he has to still fight off a double team and shake him and then make a contested underthrown catch. It's amazing he had the season he had and I think it can only go up. You, you can cherry pick things the way you want to like and make it kind of fit any situation. If they draft a wide receiver early in the first round, how much of a pie is he going to get off of that passing offense with Hurts at quarterback? I mean, and then I also like to look at it as if, if Hurts really isn't the quarterback that you get a re-roll at another quarterback the following year. But at, at the same time, I mean, they're probably going to add another receiver. They're not running in with Rager again and Quez Watkins. They're going to add somebody else there. Obviously not, but Elijah Moore, I mean, they were this close to getting Tyreek Hill mm -hmm. two weeks ago. Yeah. They are going to add receiver. Corey Davis got hurt at the end of last year. He's back next year. So then you're looking at, you know, the slot receiver for the Jets, Elijah Moore. It's like, man, do you really love the Zach Wilson pie a ton? Or do you like the, you know, top 12 overall pick of Devonta Smith, who was a Heisman winner over Elijah Moore? Like, is it still the fatigue of Devonta Smith's going to get hurt? He's so undersized. It's like, that was my next question is if we love Zach Wilson, who's Zach Wilson's best wide receiver? Right now, it's Elijah Moore, probably. But hey, I went for the Moore Wilson stack. <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> three player draft. You, you were able to perform the stack. Yeah, the three player stack. Come on. Look at this team. <laughs> <laughs> the only other option was T-Law and ETN. <laughs> so, I mean, in all fairness, Elijah Moore did start to heat up midseason. He had played, you know, some good games and mm -hmm. then he got hurt. So, I mean... And Crowder's gone. He's on the bills now. Yeah, I mean, he does have Brax Braxton Berrios to contend mm. with, who, you know, put up some really good numbers there late in the season, and he did just resign. But I like Elijah Moore. I like him there. I'm all right with it. It is a little problematic, though, that Elijah Moore's game log without Zach Wilson, 13.1, 27.4, 13.4, 29.6. 
when Elijah Moore, he had a concussion early in the year, mm-hmm. if my memory serves me correct, which it probably does. And then he had some unknown injury at the end of the year that I don't remember. He definitely. He had a quad injury. When he was healthy, Zach Wilson was not. And when Zach Wilson was hurt, Elijah Moore was not. So we really haven't seen Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, which doesn't mean a whole lot, but it also means that there's no proof that that's a thing. I think he's going to be amazing. There is proof that Braxton Berrios has a shirt that goes very well with Zach Wilson's shirt, and they do ride. There is, right? I mean, various carnival rides or something. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> to, uh, together and take pictures and post them on social media. So by that alone, Braxton Berrios created an Elijah Moore. Obviously, yeah. And also with Smith, like what you said, like he was the only guy on the field, really, and he was getting double teamed. And, and, and all he can come up with was like 964 yards or whatever it was on a low passing offense. The, we have Amon Ross St. Brown, who we all fade, and he was the only one on the field for the Lions with Goff throwing to him. And he had an incredible last couple of weeks of the season. Like, how is that not the same thing, then? Who do we like more than a mortal Ertz? It would, of course, be a God Ertz. And he has Goddard to throw to as well, so. Yeah, I mean, for me, it comes down to Devonta Smith, to me, is just so much more talented than Elijah Moore. Like, the route running, the hands... Just everything about the player. There's a reason he won the Heisman. There's a reason he was an early first-round pick and that Elijah Moore was not. And it's unfortunate that Devonta Smith is the quarterback he has, but I'm not just going to, like, kill him for it. And I'm not going to still cling to the, you know, he's so undersized. And it's like we saw so many players get hurt last year. We saw Rashad Bateman get hurt. We saw Elijah Moore get hurt twice. People still have this weird narrative in their head that Devonta Smith is, like, one hit away from just breaking into a 1,000 pieces. Oh yeah, he's gonna take a slant to a linebacker and just and just break in half. He's gonna take a slant. That, that was <laughs> that was the entire offseason was Devonta Smith is gonna take a slant and the first time he gets hit by an NFL player he's gonna die. It's like yep. he played in the SEC and put up like sixteen hundred yards and fifteen mm-hmm. touchdowns. It's like Yep, and it didn't matter that his legs looked like number two pencils. <laughs> no, number one pencils. Yeah, he has very small legs. <laughs> <laughs> um Henry, I don't appreciate you taking all of the really good picks and then <laughs> crapping on my picks, uh, just for the record. Well, that was more of a, a crapping on Iowa's ranking of Elijah Moore and Devonta Smith, because to me, it's like, I don't know if Elijah Moore is is a superstar receiver. I know Devonta Smith is a superstar receiver. Like That's how I view it. And I, you know, maybe I'm crazy and putting too much stock into Devonta Smith, but There are plays that he makes on the field where you're like, wow, that is top five receiver in football potential. And then Elijah Moore, it's like, he's a slot guy for the Jets, probably. (laughs) That sounds so disappointing. You make him sound so sexy. That has got to be so hard to pitch Hurts wide receiver and slander Zach Wilson's wide receiver. I do. I mean, I really well, do. I, You know, it's crazy that that's how it shakes out for me. Uh, Henry's number one QB in the class isn't good enough for Elijah Moore here. Is is, is it good enough for Elijah <laughs> Mitchell? What if they trade Debo? You like Elijah Mitchell there? I like Elijah Mitchell as a whole. I mean, he was one of the few running backs last year that could prove. I mean, he was getting like 20 carries a game and like 140 yards when he was healthy. And, you know, you can go the revolving door of the San Francisco 49ers running backs. He was a sixth round pick. And, you know, maybe he can be Raheem Mostert for them. A late round undrafted guy for Mostert, obviously. But it's scary that he's on the Niners with Kyle Shanahan. You just never know if Brandon Ayuk's going to play or not. 
and you don't know if Elijah Mitchell's just going to wake up one day and, you know, does something wrong at practice. He's benched for a month, uh, but he's very talented. Well, I've got a lot of Elijah Mitchell, a lot of Brandon Ayuk, and not a lot of Debo. So if Debo just, you know, happened to catch the next bus <laughs> to the New York Jets. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> then we can really not like Elijah Moore. No, I like Elijah Moore. I'd, I'd probably prefer him over Bateman and obviously over Terrace, but like Papa mentioned it there, right, with Amon Ra and Devonta Smith, I feel like those two go fairly close to each other in some drafts, and it's like, wow. Like, really? Devonta Smith's not going to be the number one receiver in Philly next year? Like, they're going to draft someone and he's going to be better than their top 12 pick, who's awesome, versus Amon Ra, who it took, it took Hawk Swift getting hurt. They add Shark. It took Josh Reynolds being the only other receiver on the field, Wiz Khalif Raymond being on the field with him in order for him to be like good. And I saw some stat. I think he had the most receptions in the league without a drop last year. It was like 90 without a single drop. And that's awesome. Yeah, he'll be he'll be a good NFL player. Don't get me wrong. But I just think he'll be better in the NFL than for fantasy going forward. Uh, good deal. Amon Ross St. Boo. Uh. <laughs> Iowa. Watch your mouth. Amon Ross St. Clown. Mm. He is my ray of sunshine. Both of you stop. <laughs> He's the sunshine god, that's for sure. Uh, He's the sun god, right? Yeah. And uh, every sun sets. Stop being so... such a hater. <laughs> hater. Uh, before I get killed. I hope, he, I hope he kills it this year. And I can come back and be like I told mm. you, and Papa <sighs> looks brilliant because he What's took with, him. Uh, Miles Gaskin right now. <laughs> Stop it! We're not talking about him. Leave him out of this. Running back five on Miami. <laughs> Guys, I had my moment with him. That's all that matters. <laughs> Well, I hope he kills it, and I hope you don't kill me, but we are absolutely running over here. Oh, yeah. 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 Let's wrap this up. Oh, is Gaskin a pull-out guy, too? <laughs> Gaskin has pulled out and left the party. <laughs> Gaskin pulled out and is going to finish elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, he... Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna stop. <laughs> All right. As the curtains close here, appreciate you tuning in. This has been another episode of Rank Draft Trade. If you want to follow the pods we post on Twitter, I post them on at Rank Draft Trade on Twitter. We have the website up, rankdrafttrade.com. I know it's a tongue twister, but it's easier to spell using a keyboard. You know, we've got all these awesome guys here. We're going to have improvements and rankings coming here soon. A bunch of stuff to look forward to. Until then, let me get you guys all out of here. The fellow co-hosts and hostess. Mike, let them know where they can find you. Underscore Papa Bearclaw on Twitter. There's an at symbol at the beginning, too. There's an at symbol at the beginning in case you don't know how to use the interwebs. Henry? Uh, at clairvoyance ff mm-hmm. spelled just like it's uh, sounds you know sounds spelled like it's spelled yeah. mm-hmm. yep it's, it's spelled like it's spelled noble <laughs> at noble g underscore ff on twitter there you go thank you gina and i'm at iowa in the nfl on twitter this is rank draft trade and noble you want to let them know any kind of a cool catch line that i'm supposed to let you say uh what do i usually say <laughs> I hope we made all of your fantasy dreams come true. You got it. <laughs> On another episode of Only Friends. On Only Friends. Yes. <laughs> On Only Friends. Everybody press stop here at Rank, the same time. Draft, trade. <laughs> Rank, draft, trade. Rank, draft, trade.